Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to be together. And for all those that are watching online, great to have you as well. Uh, a number of people have been asking me, am I home yet? Well, I've got great news. I am home. Uh, this past week, uh, Julie and I, uh, and uh, with the help of some others, we got ourselves into our house, which we are super excited about, uh, using a youth uh, emphasis there. Uh, and uh, this morning, my youngest son, Jake, has landed uh, in Melbourne, and he is home as well, too, for the next month. So there's a lot of celebrations going on in the Lovell family as uh, kind of we move into the Christmas season. Uh, this morning's a bit of a special occasion as we move into our Christmas season, uh, into uh, everything Christmas with a new theme called Arrival. And uh, it's a real privilege for me this morning to be able to speak with uh, Matt, who is our youth pastor, and to be able to bring some teaching from God's Word together as we talk about hope. So I'm going to hand over to Matt this morning. Thank you so much, Dave, and it's a privilege to be speaking with you all this morning. How about I pray quickly for us uh, before we dive into the Word? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to, uh, to gather and to worship and to praise your name. And I just pray right now that you'd be speaking to both Dave and I as we dive into your word this morning around the arrival of hope. And you'd be challenging us and moving to your spirit in each one of our lives this morning as we do that. And I just pray this all in your mighty name. Amen. Christmas is fast approaching, isn't it? I can't believe it's only a couple of weeks away. Uh, but I have a question for us this morning uh, about Christmas, and that is... What are you hoping for this Christmas? Can I tell you a story about uh, when I was hoping for something when I was a little bit younger, one Christmas, and got something a little bit different? Uh, traditionally, in my family, we always celebrate with a Christmas tree, some decorations. Uh, we give presents to one another, celebrate with family, have a roast lunch together, uh, head to church on the day as well too. Uh, that's generally what our Christmas looks like in my household. Uh, but when I was about six... My parents decided that, you know what, we're going to have absolutely none of that. We're not going to have presents, we're not going to have a tree, celebrations, no decorations. Instead, that we would go down to the church and we would serve food for the entire day to the homeless and the lonely at Christmas time. Now, as a six-year-old, that was a bit of a shock to me. I was hoping for some presents, some good times together at Christmas Day, but instead was greeted by serving food at church all day. But I learned something in that which was really important, which was the true meaning of Christmas, which was really special. But I pose that question to you again this morning, of what are you hoping for this Christmas? Were you like me when I was six and I was just hoping for some presents that were pretty good? Or maybe some good celebration with some family or friends? Are you hoping for uh, a Christmas that has some really good lunch together with, uh, with maybe some uh, close family members? Or are you, maybe you haven't really thought about what you're going to put your hope in for this Christmas or what you are hoping for this Christmas. Uh, I look around the world around me and I see that people put hope in all types of things. Maybe they put hope in maybe a a sports club, winning a a game or winning the flag for the season. Maybe you put hope in uh, work, getting some good work done or being successful in your job. Maybe you put hope in, uh, if you're in school still, getting some good grades in, uh, in your classes. Or maybe you might feel a little bit hopeless at Christmas time and you don't have hope in anything. Uh, And across the Advent season, you might be feeling a little bit hopeless. What is Advent? The word Advent actually means arrival or coming. And it is in one sense a countdown of anticipation in which we celebrate uh, the first Advent, but also the second coming of Jesus. 
Uh, traditionally, the Christmas wreath or the Advent wreath uh, is symbolic for a few things at Christmas time. The circle represents God himself having no beginning and no end. It also reminds us of the connection around the globe to other believers who at this time of year are also celebrating uh, the birth of Jesus, but also looking forward to it with anticipation in the second coming of our King. I don't know if you know this, but traditionally around the Christmas wreath, there's four candles that that surround the wreath. And each one of those actually uh, symbolize a gift that God has given to us uh, this, uh, this time of year. Those gifts are the gift of hope, peace, joy, and love. And each week, traditionally, the candle is lit, uh, each one of those candles are lit leading up to Christmas. And it's, a symbolic, it's symbolic for uh, something that has happened, but also that is, there is more to come. There's something quite profound about this tradition that really interests me. And as we move towards Christmas and the busyness and the festivities of what this season will bring, I want to take a moment this morning to refresh us and remind us of the gifts that God has given us through the season of Advent. Those gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love. And this morning, we get to begin uh, in celebration of Advent, but also take time to reflect on the arrival of hope. Thanks, Matt. Now, news of the arrival of hope is seen right throughout the Old Testament scriptures in different ways. Uh, and in fact, uh, we, we see some of it quite specifically in the ancient book of Isaiah. Isaiah, being a, a prophet from God, uh, spoke on behalf of God and uh, time after time after time would speak in the lives of his people, the people of Judah or the, 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 the people of God living in that land of Judah. In particular, there was a king right there by the name of Ahaz, King Ahaz, uh, who was leading that people. Uh, At that period of time, the the nation of Israel uh, was split into two. You had the northern kingdom, you had the southern kingdom, uh, and uh, uh, Isaiah was ministering specifically into this southern kingdom, the people of Judah. Uh, And uh, this period of time, uh, we know historically, was a time of great turmoil, a time of great angst. There's a bunch of things going on there. Political alliances right around that Middle East were were shoring up with one another as, as... as, as people were looking to kind of do their own thing. And so for the people of God living there in the, in the tribe of Judah, in that, in that southern kingdom, it was a time of incredible anxiety. In fact, you might say a time of great hopelessness uh, for this group. And uh, it was Isaiah who became God's mouthpiece at this point. God speaking through uh, Isaiah, speaking words of hope, can be found right there in Isaiah chapter 7. And some of these early words were like this. Uh, If you're following along with me, you've got your own scriptures, they're on the screens. Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah says this. Tell him, God says to Isaiah, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him that he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burned out embers. King Rezin of Syria and Pekah, son of Ramalia. Tell him this invasion will never happen, it will never take place. Have you ever had somebody tell you to stop worrying? You know, uh, I think we can all relate to that, can't we? At certain times in our lives where there's something that's going on in our lives that's causing a a great deal of anxiety. It's building worry in our lives. And whether it's a spouse that nudges us or a good friend uh, that says, you know what, 
stop stressing. Don't worry about this situation. It's going to be okay. It's going to work its way out. Well, in one sense, Ahaz is a case in point. Isaiah, the prophet, comes to Ahaz and says, mate, it's going to be okay. You don't need to stress. God has told me that it's going to work its way out. He says, Ahaz looked out and saw these two kings. Uh, he, he just thought the worst. And it was a situation that was out of his control. And he just sensed that he couldn't do anything about it. And so he, he was caught in this space of fear and hopelessness. But to God, well, God saw their plans and said to, through Isaiah, they're going to amount to nothing. Or you could put it another way. God said, they're all smoke and no fire. And so he instructed Isaiah to tell Ahaz, it's going to be okay. Well, was Ahaz okay with that? Did he just kind of settle back into that? Well, we know historically, no, he wasn't. Isaiah spoke words of promise, divine promise into his life, but Ahaz didn't believe it. And so what's he do? He begins to think through uh, how he might uh, uh, take matters into his own hands and solve the situation. He he thinks about who's around him and and, uh, what human policies or what alliances he might make with other kingdoms that are there. And at that point in time, he sees the Assyrian Empire that sits out there. And so he builds a relationship. And thinks, you know what, that's going to be the solution in this situation. That will be what gets us through. That's what's going to save us from any calamity. And so Isaiah comes back to Ahaz with these words from God. He says to him uh, in that same chapter, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now that's a a verse that you might have heard before, a, a very famous piece of scripture. Well, we know that that piece of scripture had both a near and a far fulfillment. To put it quite simply, uh, the prophet Isaiah was saying to uh, Ahaz, Ahaz, a child is shortly going to be born. And uh, the birth of this child is going to be good news for you because when this child is born, these two other uh, uh, enemies that you see out there that you're concerned about, they are going to come to nothing. They're just going to come and they're going to go. It had a near fulfillment, but it also had a far fulfillment in this promise. Uh, a reminder to Ahaz and to the entire nation of God's people that in the future, not just in a few years from now, but in the future, there is going to be one that is going to be, that is going to be born of a virgin. And so it had a promise. It was a sign that had both a near and a far fulfillment. They weren't just words of hope for Ahaz, but for an entire world. Well, sadly, Ahaz just continued to keep doing his own thing placing his trust in uh, foreign alliances. And we know that in a short period of time, this all went incredibly uh, pear-shaped. And in Isaiah chapter 8, as the story continues to unfold, uh, the prophet Isaiah says, The people of Judah have rejected my gentle care and are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King King Pekah. Therefore, the land will overwhelm, will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria and all of his mighty armies. This very group of people that Isaiah was putting his trust in, and he was forming an allegiance with, would be the very ones that would sweep in and carry them off into captivity. 
Isaiah goes on to say, uh, Therefore the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria and all the armies. This flood will overflow all its channels and will sweep into Judah. It will submerge Emmanuel's land from one end to the other. They had chosen to be wise in their own eyes, do their own thing. They had rejected the promise, the divine promise of God for them in their situation. And so God then allowed them to be carried off into Assyrian captivity. But you know what? This wasn't going to go on forever. As the story unfolds in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, Isaiah comes to them and says, you know what? But this is going to be okay. It might seem really tough right now, but there is going to be a day when this yoke of slavery is broken. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, the prophet says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair would soon pass. A a new light and a new day was dawning. And God would break them from the yoke of slavery. He would release them. And he was offering words of hope to all of those, this this, this group of people, the people of Judah, uh, who were living with fear and hopelessness that a new day was coming. Was this wishful thinking? You know, how was it going to happen? Well, Isaiah pins this hope of victory and the complete turnaround of their circumstances to a child. Think about that for a moment. Think about somebody that you know that has an infant child holding them in their arms. Or maybe it's uh, yeah, just a couple of years of age. It's, it's your own child. Maybe it's uh, your, your, your own grandchild or a great-grandchild. You know, how could the hope of one child uh, be the complete turnaround of the, of the circumstances for this group of people living there in Judah? What does Isaiah say to them? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And this is what he'll be called. Isaiah says he will have the name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from, from that time on, for, on and forever. And then Isaiah says, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's as if Isaiah is saying, you can take this to the bank. The zeal of the Lord Almighty. The creator of this world, almighty God, will accomplish this. Now, let's think about this for a moment. We we have hindsight. We look back with hindsight. But to the people living then, it seemed a little ridiculous, maybe, that uh, uh, the arrival of a child could bring such hope. I mean, how could the birth of one child be the solution to a troubled nation? And even more to the point today, how can the birth of this child that we sing about and we celebrate today speak into the harsh realities of what goes on around us? You know, what difference does the birth of this child really make? Let me tell you this morning that it is one of hope. The birth of this child is one of hope. And this hope is not attached to just wishful thinking like, oh, I hope the weather's pretty good outside so I can bust out the budgie smugglers and get my tan on. No, no, no. This type of hope is in the truest sense of the word. It's a confidence and an assurance that this child is the king of kings 
and the Lord of Lords. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe and his decision to enter into this world and become human changes everything for us today. There's a guy by the name of Joseph where it changed everything for him. You can read about it in Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. And we see that Joseph has a fiancé that's named Mary and falls pregnant through the work of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was faithful to the law and decided that he would quietly divorce Mary, that everyone was sort of throwing accusations and stereotypes at him through this situation. And he decided in his own mind, I'm just going to pull myself out, going to divorce her and just leave the whole thing alone. Imagine yourself for a moment in Joseph's position. You would feel pretty hopeless, wouldn't you? If you were in this situation uh, where Joseph is faced with this, that we would feel pretty hopeless. But you see that you continue to read on and in a dream, an angel comes to Joseph and says that everything will be okay. That Mary is pregnant through the work of the Holy Spirit and the son that she was carrying was to be called Jesus. And this had to take place to fulfill the prophecies and the promises about the Messiah. You can read in Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You can continue reading in verse 23, uh, 24, sorry, and you see that Joseph woke up and instantly had hope that everything would be okay, that God was in control of this situation, that his hopelessness was completely gone, and he just says yes. He says yes and just goes with it. He doesn't divorce Mary or anything like that. He just, in his, in his own mind, he just changes. He has found hope and, uh, in this situation. The birth of Jesus in Jonah's life gave him hope. And he trusts that God was in control of this whole situation. You know, the birth changed Joseph's life. And the same is true for us this morning too. The hope that Jesus brought when he was born can change our lives as well too. It's available for all of us this morning. Let me tell us a story that really impacted me this week. Many years ago, uh, there was an older man and his son, and they loved art. They were massive collectors. They went out all across the globe and collected art from all over the world. These art pieces were uh, millions of dollars. They were prized possessions. And the father would look upon the collection and his son and just be completely satisfied. But one day, war broke out across the nation and the son was called to go to war. A few weeks later, the, uh, the father received a telegram in the mail saying that his son had been killed in battle carrying a soldier to a medic. That year, the, on Christmas Day, uh, the father was in his house and got a knock on the door. And a soldier was there to greet him and said, Hello, you don't know me, but uh, I'm a friend of your son. I was the one that, was, that he was carrying across the battlefield. Can I come in for a moment? I have something for you, he said. So he goes in and he continues to talk to the old man and say, I'm an artist and I have something to give you. And he was holding a, a, a large object and gave it to the old man. The old man took it and tore away the paper and revealed a portrait of his son. The portrait by art critics would not be any sort of work of art or anyone wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, that's, that's fantastic, that's brilliant. But to the father, this painting captured the personality and all the features of his son. Later that spring, the old man became very ill and actually passed away. 
And the art world went into all sorts of anticipation and waiting to see what would happen with this art collection. And according to the will of the Father, the, uh, the, all the art in their collection would, to be, would be auctioned off um, in the weeks to come. And the day came around when the art collectors all gathered in this one building, ready to bid on this art. They would be standing there and they would bid on these world-renowned, famous artworks in this man's collection. And the, uh, the auctioneer started the bidding. He said, we're going to start with this painting. It's of the man's son. So who will start me? At $100, the room went quiet. None of the bidders were there for this man's artwork of his son. And all these, started, these guys started crying out, Oh, what? who cares about this painting? It's just the guy's son. Let's just move on. It's not a work of art or anything. And the auctioneer stopped them and said, No, we have to sell this one first. So who's going to start me at $100? And the room went quiet again. And finally, someone from the back yelled out, I knew the man and I knew his son. I'll take it for $100. So the auctioneer, off he went. I've got $100. Who's going to go high for me? And no one really chopped up or anything. So he said, all right, going once, going twice, sold for $100. Everyone started cheering. Yeah, yeah, we can get on with it now. We can get to the real stuff. And the auctioneer said, no, the auction is now over. Everyone was like, what? What do you mean? We've come here for these artworks that are you know, world-renowned, famous pieces that are worth millions of dollars. What do you mean it's over? We demand answers from you now. The auctioneer said, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever took the son gets it all. That's a powerful line, isn't it? Whoever takes the son gets it all. As we think about this Christmas season, as we come into Christmas, that actually speaks loudly into uh, uh, our own lives as we, as we prepare ourselves for this season of Advent. Whoever takes the sun gets it all. You know, I, I wonder what Christmas, the arrival of hope this Christmas means for you and for me. You know, as I look around us, look around our community here in uh, regional Victoria, and as I think about what's happening nationally around our great country as well too, it's obvious to me that uh, there is a whole bunch of people that are still living with some measure of trouble, turmoil and despair. And in one sense, circumstances might be different, but it's not a lot different, is it, uh, two and a half thousand years ago uh, to a group of people living in the land of Judah who were thinking about their own situation and feeling trouble, turmoil and despair. You see, there's a lot of fear in our world today. That's the reality. Fear of war, fear of the the cost of living, fear of not being loved or accepted or included. And what's fear do to us? Fear has a way of breeding hopelessness in all of us. It's what it does. Now, you might know somebody today for what that is their own story. They're living a a, a really hopeless life. Or maybe uh, as you sit here today, it's part of your story as well too, that for you there's all kinds of worry and anxiety and fear that's just kind of is bubbling up in your life as you enter into another festive season. You know, what's the solution to all of that? Is it just another uh, care package that we kind of put out there into people's lives? Or 
Is it another policy that we come up with that deals with some of the injustices and the inequalities that kind of live in this world? Well, I think all of those have their place. It's good to demonstrate God's love and care in practical ways. In fact, we've got 80 hampers that are going out this week into different people's lives. It's a great thing to do. But while each of those uh, have an important place to play, uh, I want to remind us today that it's the arrival of God's son, Jesus Christ. It's the arrival of hope that actually provides an alternative story. A story where fear is conquered and hope is restored. You see, it's the arrival of hope that reminds us, it promises us that we can be free from the burdens that weigh us down and want to destroy our soul. It's the story of Christmas. It's the arrival of God's son. It's the arrival of hope that changes everything. So what does that mean for you and for myself today as we move our way into another Christmas season? You know, what, how is this going to impact your life? Well, I want to maybe just land us with a couple of things today and just to remind us that, first of all, the story of Jesus entering into our world speaks directly to the heart of our needs. All of our needs, the needs of all of humanity. You see, it's Emmanuel, God with us. You know, people will let you down, but God will never let you down. Into this story in the Old Testament scriptures, the prophet Isaiah turning up and speaking into the lives of the, the people of Judah, coming with the promises of God, telling these people that it's going to be okay, that these two kings that sit out there that you are fearing, that you are worrying about, they are nothing more than burnt out embers. Oh, it's going to be okay. See, God's promises are always true. He gave promises in Isaiah chapter 7 and in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was the promise of God through the prophet Isaiah to a group of people living in Judah and to all of us today, to all of humanity. See, that's why that child lying in that manger is just so significant. He was God's gift of hope to each and every one of us. See, that's why he was born. And that's why he lived a sinless life. It also explains to us once again that it's why he carried a cross up a hill uh, so he would pay for the penalty of our sins. He died on that cross so that we could live lives that would be full, free and forgiven forever. And so for all of us this Christmas, for those of us who might be feeling somewhat hopeless, I'm here to remind us once again that it's God's gift of his son, Jesus Christ, the arrival of hope. See, it's his son looking to answer our, our deepest longings and our greatest needs in and through his life. It is the gift of hope. And you know what? We can know that hope this Christmas. See, if we don't know the gift of God's Son to us, we can know that gift of hope, uh, brand new, afresh for us this Christmas. But, you know, I think as we think about this arrival of hope in a fresh way, you know, well, maybe for some of us it's about embracing that gift of hope, but for many of us, for many of us in this room or who are watching online who, are, who have already embraced the gifts, that as we think about this Advent season, as we come into this season, it's not so much about uh, 
talking about it, but it's beginning to act like we believe that hope has truly entered into the world. You know, uh, all of us can find ourselves facing some hopeless situations. Maybe it's something going on in our family. Or it's a, it's a health situation that we are facing or it's the, the sense of what just sits around us in our community, in our times. We have a media that does a pretty good job of breeding fear and hopelessness into our lives. But yet as people of the faith, uh, followers of Jesus, we're encouraged not to live with fear. We don't need to live with fear. We don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of hope that lives within us. And so as we come into this Christmas season, it's us, it's embracing in a fresh new way and and embracing this gift of hope that we've already received and and beginning to not just believe it here, but to live it from here that we we, we live like it makes a difference in our life. What might that mean? It might completely change the way in which you now come into Christmas. The way in which you get out of bed uh, each and every morning. You know, choosing in that moment to say, you know what, I am not going to live with fear or worry today. I am going to live with hope because hope has entered into this world. It's changed my life once and I'm going to continue to keep embracing this gift of hope that has been given to me through the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And can I just say that we have an awesome opportunity and a responsibility to to carry this gift of hope and to speak into the lives of other people. And the ways in which we can do that is as simply numerous. It's as numerous as our creativity. It's as numerous as the things that you might think about of how you might do this in and through the lives of other people. It's, it's the way in which you smile at your neighbor. Or it's the gift that you give to them when you walk across the street. It's the things that you offer to do for them. It's the service that you invite them to because you know that you want them to meet the gift that has arrived in this world, the the, the gift of hope, the arrival of hope. Isaiah promised a group of people, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And it was a promise that came true. And people since that period of time have been... uh, hearing about this gift of hope, the arrival of hope and embracing it for their lives and it's changed the way in which they live. And so maybe for us this Christmas, it's going to impact the way in which we're going to choose to to come into this season as well too. See, what will hope, what will this hope mean for you this Christmas? And how will it shape the way in which you celebrate this season of Advent? Hey, would you join with me as I pray? Father, right now I want to be praying uh, for all of us who are sitting here or watching and engaging uh, with this reminder, with your word that reminds us that a couple of thousand years ago, your son, Jesus Christ, uh, the Messiah, the Savior of this world, entered Emmanuel, God with us. You came and dwelt amongst us. Father, we thank you today, especially for this gift and what it means for our lives. Maybe for people, for those of us uh, who are thinking about this for the very first time and thinking, you know what, I've got to embrace this gift. I don't want to live with fear and I want to live with worry and anxiety. I want to embrace a gift that speaks into all of that. 
into a gift that changes everything. And I want to encourage us if we're hearing this for the first time and we've never embraced the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, that that would be something that we would do right now. You see, that's, uh, it's, the, it's the response of a humble heart today that says, you know what, I've never embraced that child, that baby lying in the manger. Today I'm going to do that. It's really as simple as acknowledging that, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came and died for me to forgive me of my sins so that I might come into a right relationship with God. And today I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, to make my heart your home. Today I embrace your arrival, the arrival of hope. Father, if there are people that are doing that today, then Lord, I pray that you would fill them with a wonderful sense of of hope, of joy, of peace, that they would just, uh, that there would be a sense of being overwhelmed by your love. But for others of us who have uh, been following your son Jesus for many years, or some period of time, Father, I pray that this Christmas we would have a fresh sense of what the arrival of your son Jesus means. That we would live like it truly matters. Into our situations that might seem a little hopeless today, where we're not quite sure what's next or where to from here. Father, would you enable us to embrace afresh your gift of hope? The gift of your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you today for all of your goodness in this Christmas season. Help us to embrace it in a fresh, new way as we celebrate the arrival of your son, Jesus, and the hope that it brings. In Jesus' name, amen.